Welcome to the HR Matters podcast. HR Matters because people matter. This is the place where you can listen to fresh ideas about working together with news and topics that really matter and insights into the changes that you can make in your organization today. This is for HR professionals, for managers, and for anyone who has a keen investment in the people within their organization. Featuring Lisa Dempsey. Hello. And myself, Marjolein Vlug. And we don't have our co-host Shay Harty here today, but we do have a different, very special guest. Lisa, could you introduce our guest, please? Yes, well, we're really excited that Ronald Myers from Deloitte has been able to join us today. So welcome, Ronald. Thank you. Good you, to be here. Do you want to just say a short little bit about yourself, the important things that you're doing? I know you're very busy as a senior partner in Deloitte, but... Yeah, so what I'm doing is actually, I think, help leaders lead, help organizations become human. And the way to do that typically is via change programs, uh, facilitation of sessions, um, also uh, de developing and designing strategies and policies that actually put human interest at the heart. I love that. That's, yeah. that's really powerful. Human interests at the heart. And I also love um, on your LinkedIn profile, you, you talk about purpose-driven companies. You talk yes. about people being referred to as resources <laughs> and, yeah. and how that impacts this. Um, also the, the, you know, something that is often re referred to as kind of the, the cognitive dissonance, the, the gap between what people say and what they do, mm -hmm. um, as well as embracing paradox and uh, suffering from conventional logic which I think yes. is such a beautiful <laughs> phrase because it really is suffering, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's in HR. I think that's spot on yeah. for, for the field of HR, especially. Yeah. 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 But also, I think in business, i.e. the clients mm -hmm. of HR, they are suffering too. But the problem is sometimes you're not aware of it. Um, so, so how did you, uh, how did, how did, what, what brought you to this? Sorry, how, what brought you to this? perspective and to this specialty in your work? Um, well, I think it's a journey of some years, obviously. Uh, it, it didn't bring me there in one, let's say, boat ride or something. <laughs> um, but it definitely is something that uh, was, I, I think I've always been quite curious and I've always asked questions that people may not want to, want to answer. I remember, for example, as a kid, I, I, I was in primary school and I had I was so it's uh, punished to in in the holiday of the autumn to stay with the with the headmaster for a week instead oh. of ce celebrating holidays, and I I really didn't understand why. But probably what I did was uh, confront him with his agnosophobia by asking all sorts of questions <laughs> to which he did not have the answer. Right. So uh, I probably made him feel bad about himself, and he so he basically thought I think. I was the type of kid that you have to sort of manage. Wow. And, uh, and uh, so I, but I kept on doing that. I remember, I think I joined a firm called Crowdhammer when I was 27. And that was, uh, that's a leadership development company, a sales and leadership development company. And in the, uh, what they call formation, because it's originally a French 
French language company, so it's not oh. training, it's formation. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, had a, I had this teacher, or as, as we call it, formateur, mm-hmm. and he was talking about delegation and human motivation and how it works. And I was, of course, apart from being very interested in how it worked, I wanted to know why it worked the way it worked. Uh, so, and he, he decided to not give me any answer. So I figured uh, after almost leaving because of I was so angry that he didn't give me any answers. <laughs> thought, well, you know, maybe I need to find them myself. So I think that that constant exploration of what things are and why they are the way they are and how they really work out, I think that brought me there. And that it's in 1994, we published um, a paper called um, uh, Profit is No Longer the Goal. Uh, and we said, I think then already sort of started to try to in, in, infect, uh, let's say, bosses of companies and organizations with the idea that, you know, maybe it's not about profit. Maybe mm-hmm. profit is nothing more than oxygen. I think humans don't live to breathe, but we breathe to live. It's the other way around. So profit is not the purpose. Profit is the means to the purpose the means to enable you to deliver on your purpose. What then the purpose is, is is the next question. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, and since then, I've seen, for example, in conflict, what the absence of meaning or purpose does to a conflict. Absolutely. In theory, everybody agrees that a conflict has the potential uh, for learning, for growth, for creativity. But then if there's no shared meaning between the contestants or the, uh, the, let's say, the owners of the conflict, it ends up in stalemate or in something worse. Eh? And it, so the potential of the conflict is not harvested at all. Quite the opposite happens. And to a large extent, not only, but to a large extent, this can be, uh, let's say, related back to the, the missing sense of a joint purpose. So all you get then is sort of protecting your turf. It's positional. It becomes uh, about ego and it doesn't end up in something more than that. Right, there's no common ground to... No, exactly, there's no common purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's very hard to formulate any sort of win-win or common well, uh, anything if yeah. you are lacking yes. that baseline. Yeah, yeah. If you're, yeah, lacking, and I think it's, it's to, to a large extent, if you don't believe there's a shared purpose, it's hard to believe in the benevolence of the other. And mm. then... Typically, uh, you switch brain parts. Uh, you switch from the, the the frontal cortex to the amygdala, and fear yeah. takes over. Mm. And typically, fear doesn't bring out the best. And it's yeah. really hard to switch back too. Yeah, once you're in well, there, it's, it's possible, but it's you know it's, uh, you know how hard it is to to uh, have mind over matter. But it's possible, of right. course, but it's it's yeah. hard. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a real challenge, and and I, I think anything driven from fear. Uh, it's difficult to bring positive things from it. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 what is also, I think, unhealthy is to ignore the fear that is there. Yes. So it's not acting as if there's no fear, because fear also has has positive potential. But uh, it, has it, it, has it doesn't function. help if you get if you make it your leader. It doesn't help. Right. Yeah. If you, if it's at the forefront of the decision making, yeah, and it's the single driver, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a there's a yeah. big issue yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so talking oh. about purpose and about fear, I think you'd agree that we are seeing 
an increasing amount of companies and of, of still not every company, but lots more that try to follow or define even define and then follow their their purpose yes. in leading a business. Uh, but I do also, and especially in HR, see uh, fear, fear of risk and fear of change in making that transition to putting purpose at the forefront. Yes. Uh, what's your perspective on that? Do you see change happening? Do you see fear blocking that? Or do you see something completely different? Oh, definitely. I think uh, and it's it's struggle because, you know, cognitively, you could say yeah, we have maybe convinced quite a group of people think maybe fear maybe purpose is a good idea um, but that doesn't mean we we know how to overcome our fear uh, mm. so and since the selection process in organizations is typically uh, let's say delivering people to the top who are cautious careful uh, risk averse very often yeah. clever at, at political navigation not necessarily let's say, set up to be courageous, take risks and be bold. Mm. So the, the, the group of people in uh, that actually has to sort of lead the shift is the group that is probably most unlikely to be good at it. <laughs> you typically see, for example, in uh, you take, we are now, of course, uh, in Florida, there's this new hurricane Yes. Um, uh, called uh, Dorian. Dorian. Mm -hmm. We had, you know, the hurricanes obviously trigger fear, and hurricanes have terrible consequences for the people living in that area, like Katrina in New Orleans. Yes. But I think what we learned from Katrina is that uh, the, a word called elite panic. You could say that yeah. the, the, the top is actually causing more of the trouble than it actually helps resolve. Uh, so it's uh, if you want, but if you look at what people actually do, most people then help each other out. Uh, so be are very, very kind and careful to the ones in need. And the vast majority of that, let's say, trend was also visible in uh, in New Orleans when Katrina happened. Uh, whereas authorities typically respond to the the negative selection of events, which is called news. Yeah. Uh, and there was uh, 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 young girls of six are being raped, etc. And it, it wasn't true with hindsight, but they they act by obviously uh, doing their share of escalation by sending in troops. Yeah. And then typically, uh, if you see people with guns, fear is uh, triggered rather than security is, is enhanced. So, yeah. and that's what you see. That's why I talk a lot about um, we're suffering from conventional thinking, hmm. or typically we think if we send in troops with guns, we enlarge the sense of security. But the opposite happens. Right, the exact. So opposite. Think the exact opposite <laughs> happens, and that's typically how. Think what typically in human, let's say, uh, uh, science, the 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 opposite of what you think is true is true. Yeah. Uh, so I think, and typically those who are being led by fear rather than by purpose have a strong tendency to be to rely on conventional wisdom hence they have a strong tendency to do the exact opposite of what brings out the best in people yeah i have for example if you i had a i was this for a while the chro of deloitte um, and i was called a talent partner that i like that title a lot more and we talked about talk about 
resources later probably. Yes, but I, I had a discussion with the uh, Workers' Council about a new performance management approach. And at the heart of the discussion in the end was the notion of, okay, guys, uh, are we designing a, an approach that protects the company against bad managers? Or are we designing an approach that in the hands of good managers or leaders actually brings out the best of the organization? Mm. Right, so exactly. are we making it easier for the good people to do the right things or are we making it harder for the bad people not to do the bad things? And Which is maybe was... only 5% of everybody. Exactly. Yeah. So and typically the latter happens. So systems are typically designed to protect us against, of course, some of the bad tendencies that we also have. As I'm not saying don't take that into consideration. Don't mm. act as if there are no risks. Don't ask as it don't act as if there are no assholes in life. They are there. Yeah, but don't but make them not the majority. Yeah, so yeah, so and if you let's say design systems that are I think based on uh, let's say the not so nice part of the of the group of people, then in some of the others you trigger the wrong behavior as well. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, so if you, well, okay, if you don't trust me, then I'll act as if I cannot be trusted. Let me show you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And that's well, that fear based. It annoys. That's that fear driven decision making, right? Managing to the exception, the all of the what yeah. ifs and yeah. worst case scenario. And yes. by doing that, it elicits a lot of the worst case yeah, scenario. Yeah, it's a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Exactly. yeah. And I find it interesting, you know, you, you've, you've, called it a few times you know the authorities and isn't that is i find there's a, a huge difference between authority versus actual leadership oh yeah okay well uh, i think different you have different types of authorities as well eh? of course yeah. and i think authorities in general uh, are there for a good reason and they are vital uh, for a healthy uh, um, functioning of society or an organization. Sure, it's part of they, the property. They have, they have to be trusted and that undermining them comes at a cost. At the same time, yes, if you are an authority in the formal sense of the word, uh, i.e. if somebody has endowed you with, uh, let's say, the means to influence the lives of other human beings, that formal powers that you have, the, the powers to punish and reward, the, the powers to promote and 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 appoint, but also, of course, to fire, etc. These types of authorities, multiple. Yeah. Um, if you if you want to use them well, uh, you should start from a perspective of trust and and human relations and uh, adult to adult uh, horizontal thinking. And if you don't do that, I if you let's say resign to the idea that because I have the authorities, I need to use them. And I need to be respected because I have those formal powers. Right. Then you're in trouble. Yeah. And that's indeed uh, the distinction I often make between leadership and management. Is management is uh, you can appoint somebody to be a manager, but you only choose people uh, to lead. Uh, you choose to follow, yeah. and you're forced to comply. And that's a very different, uh, let's say, let's say, uh, logic that 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 is connected to them. They're both realities, by the way. Yes. But of course, I would strongly promote the idea that uh, if if leadership is still possible, choose leadership, and only if it's really necessary, uh, fall back on the formal powers that you have. Yeah. 
go to the but then yeah, that's why I think that the the reason we need hierarchies is for escalation purposes. It's like a like we need a judge when the neighbors cannot find uh, a way to resolve the conflict themselves. That's when you go to the judge. And that's the same, I think, in, in organizations. Managers should not interfere. Managers should not act as if the wisdom comes from the top. And right. I think the wisdom is to not interfere, to enable others to do what they do best, yeah. but to be there when conflict arises that they cannot resolve. Yeah. And then to be the source of escalation. That's yeah. it. I often refer to that, you know, managers thinking with people instead of for people. So rather than jumping in with their solutions, sometimes give people space to go through the the struggle, try and figure it out on their exactly. own, and yeah. only Allow them when the learning. yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. there's a lot of learning that can be uncovered there, particularly in a healthy circumstance where there's psychological safety and people can actually communicate in in meaningful ways a lot can be uncovered but you don't have to jump in and save everyone no exactly and because safety is in it's a very interesting concept i think uh, we talked about the guns earlier and yeah. how the guns actually do the opposite of, of creating safety yeah uh, what also doesn't help is that uh, if I think it's a, I walk into a team and I look around and I demand that the, the team provides me the safety to show up uh, with my true self, that's, <laughs> right. you know, then I typically do the opposite of what, uh, let's say, healthy adults do, which is to say, okay, I think there's no reason not to feel safe. So I will assume there is safety. Yeah. And only if it's not there, then I think, hey, I don't, this typical moment, this was a moment that I felt I was sort of opposed in a negative way, or I felt criticized in an, in an unfair way. I think what, what ha what's happening now? And what is it that I do to feel unfairly criticized? Yeah. And then how can I make a request to whoever was the source of this unfair criticism to stop doing that and to do it differently? And so this idea of nonviolent communication or peaceful interaction that Marshall Rosenberg uh, has, has, has developed mm -hmm. is very powerful, I think, powerful source of enhancing safety in groups. And they, what people typically don't seem to do as often as they could is to look for the safety in themselves first. Yes. And not to delegate the sense of safety to, uh, to whoever the manager or the team is. And maybe yeah. their language matters. Huh? We talked about resources. Yes. And I think the I think words are thinking tools. Mm. And 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 I think thinking is part of what triggers emotions. And they're of course partially also caused by emotions. So there's the double relationship. But definitely the frame we put on stuff, mm. the way we tell the story, in other yeah. words, has a lot to do with how it is received and what type of buttons it pushes. So Absolutely. I, 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 that's why I think this human resources management, basically scientific management, zero uh, 2.0 movement is absolutely part of the problem. And it stems from the implicit assumption that an organization is a machine that needs to produce value for the owners. Right. Uh, well, so there's, there's this group of vultures that sit at the end of a machine waiting for the meat to drop out right. and then they can and then they can 
to enjoy. Right, very good. That's also you... the perspective that, that typically is, is, of course, I would say to a certain extent, promoted by the larger public. Doesn't help either. Yeah. It's, it's the current frame of reference that, that many people have. Um, talking about resources, if you, if you uh, allow me to quote you, you said, if people are referred to as resources, organizations are often mechanistic. Yes. So that says you'd like to refrain from using the word resources in human resources. Yes. Um, which I completely agree with because resources are not people. Um, and um, the thing that I've been wondering is that uh, I see Deloitte using the word human capital, yes, uh, which is a big difference. And I think do think that capital, the word capital, speaks to the language of of uh, managers of of uh, CEOs. Yes, but capital is not people either. No, I agree. <laughs> is that something that would you, so you like? I think it's slightly like, better than assets. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, and or resources, but it's not what I would, uh, let's say, propose now if I were the one to propose. What would you propose? Yeah. I would propose uh, human. Yeah. That's it. Uh, human period. <laughs> full stop. So mm -hmm. the CHRO should become the chief human experience officer. Mm. And so I proposed from to go from HR to HX, yeah, uh, from mm. human resources to human experience, experience. yeah, nice. and like uh, so, so and then to also let's say focus on how do you make an organization more humane, mm -hmm. assuming not uh, the machine uh, uh, metaphor, but the group of people trying to deliver on a purpose metaphor. But any organization is just a group of people wanting to achieve a couple of goals eh? the yes. problem is there's a lot of goals and interests at hand and mm -hmm. it helps if that group sort of can rally around a shared sense of purpose that is common yeah. yeah i also think that you only arrive there if you apply the triple purpose logic that for many organizations is very difficult to embrace yeah. uh, so it's yes there's a shared sense of purpose in the group but that shared sense of purpose has to do to it, it has to sort of be congruent congruent with your own sense of purpose yeah. it doesn't have to be the same but it has to be sort of uh, mutually sort of uh, reinforcing and it has to be congruent with the purpose of your unit or your team or your task within the organization mm -hmm. and and none of them is superior to the other so the whole idea that as an individual you are less important than the group is a bad idea right. uh, so that you don't have to make yourself let's say uh, serve the group purpose always right there you don't need to be the group also no exactly so in a team the individual is as important as the group uh, yeah. it's not like i have to make myself uh, uh, hierarchically prioritized less for me than for us but the opposite is also not true. It's also a bad idea to make the group serve me. Right. That's also not a good idea. So <laughs> they're all equal factors. Exactly. Yeah. The whole idea is that it should be a healthy exchange. And sometimes, of course, you'd, when there's a conflict in priorities or in interests, well, that's exactly where the shared center meaning comes in. 
are we capable and willing to find a common ground again? Yeah. And that and where will you might happen need the quite often. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah. And where you might need the manager to exactly. be... Exactly, uh, where you might to... need some formal authority to say, yeah. okay, I will force you to your happiness <laughs> <laughs> because you can't find it yourself. Yeah. Well, what I, what I hear you pointing towards, Ronald, is that actually it's, you know, organizations, they're, they're systems. They're a system yes. that we choose totally to participate right. Yeah. in, right? And yeah. it needs to be a symbiotic relationship where individuals are getting something from it and their, their purpose, their values, meaning that they want to bring. There's some, some level of alignment and that allows you to then give uh, more meaningful Contribute, information as well. Yeah. yeah, make more meaningful contributions to the whole, yeah. to the system. Yeah. And it's very much this, you know, give and take. So it's yes. a, it's not one over the other. It's not no. a hierarchy. No, um, I, think that's, I think that's one of the big trends as well next to uh, this sense of purpose is the horizontalization of organizations. So the, yeah. the re, if you, if you wish, the recalibration of what hierarchy is for. Right. And this whole idea of, I mentioned agnosophobia earlier, but the whole idea in the top that you're afraid to not have an answer and that fear of not having an answer uh, is one of the main reasons, next to, by the way, sheer incompetence or skill or lack <laughs> of skill, why open-ended questions are so rare in organizations yeah. and why, therefore, dialogue is so rare and yeah. that why I think something called the discussion is typically the modus operandi. But if you would just simply ask an open-ended question that is much more inviting, you might actually learn something. But yeah, then... Yeah. If people start asking you questions and you may not have an answer, then, yes, uh, what do you do? Well, maybe the solution is just to say, I don't know. Yeah, or uh, I don't but know. But I'm willing now. to find out. But yeah. I'm I don't know yet. <laughs> exactly. Or I don't know yet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're on our way. We don't know yet, but what, let's find out. And how about exactly. we find out together? Yeah. And that's exactly the, uh, I think, why this, the, the shifting sense of purpose of organizations in general. I think in my, my colleagues of the Center for the Edge, uh, John Hegel III, for example, has, has said something like, there used to be, the focus of organizations used to be scalable efficiency and is now moving to scalable learning. Uh, Still, the yeah. efficiency, is, it's more efficient to, to create products or services with a group of people with whom you have pre-negotiated the share of, of stuff and, and the contracts and what have you, right. and the definition of quality, then to do that every time for every product once again, that's very true still. But the more important thing, since uh, many types of organizations don't have to be in the same building anymore to be effective, right. they don't have the contracts anymore, they need the contacts, but not necessarily the contracts. If you don't learn enough by participating in an organization, then you might reconsider and say, well, why don't I start all by myself? Yeah, why and should this, I stay and there? And the speed and the quality of the learning yeah. uh, is, is becoming more and more, as, uh, let's say, the companies discover their raison d'etre, mm -hmm. which is uh, putting a different spin on the learning organization, which is not a new idea, but it's very difficult in, in practice as well. Well, it's becoming it, a defining factor, isn't it? It is, and, exactly. And it's now called the agile organization, yeah. or the adaptable organization, but you can't be adaptable if you don't learn, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So it's a different spin on the same principle. Yeah, yeah. What is your hope for the future of leadership and leadership development? 
Well, first of all, my hope is that also the language uh, with which we approach the concept is changing. Yes. So we stop, let's say, the uh, inflation. I think the leadership team, it's the management team. Okay. Yeah. And it's nothing else. And let's hope they have the leadership qualities to become the leadership team. Right? But it, let's give or it an aspirational. Name. <laughs> yes. It's, so it, leadership and, and so the second hope is that people discover how leadership is dependent on followership as well as leadership. Yeah. And let's say let's hope that people think they are dependent on the willingness of other people to follow and that together you create leadership and it's it's a co-creation. So it depends on your ability to have adult adult relationships with people, irrespective of formal positions so irrespective of whether somebody has a lot of formal powers whether in the form of money or titles or what have you i think if you just start uh, with this what what uh, edgar shine says foundational humility mm -hmm. uh, that you know everybody deserves respect and then with the in the moment humility that you actually need the other to collaborate in order to create the leadership Yes. That will make the difference between a, a thriving organization or entropy, an organization in chaos and, and where inefficiencies abound and people work hard, but not effectively. Yes. Uh, this, it's, a, it's not as black and white, but you sense if, if an organization is in great shape or not, like you sense if a human being is in great shape or not. Yeah. And uh, knowing it is not the case is very often easier to define. And knowing that it is the case and how that how that uh, comes about right. so i would hope that leadership becomes the force for good that it potentially is mm. and that organizations redesign their system to select people in leadership positions who actually have the drive to help others perform and develop because if you don't have that drive that conviction that purpose that you want to help others become better at what they do and help them to develop as well by, and, and perform, then find another role. If you're interested in the content, content first, don't become a leader. Be, be an expert and become an yeah. expert in, for organizations to allow this expertise to be as well rewarded as the leadership that is also important. Uh, so it's also triple, double career tracks that need to be forged in order for ambitious people to have a, have a different opportunity than just to climb a ladder of more say, say, say managerial power, yeah. which doesn't help. Yeah, precisely. I was, I was just, you know, thinking of the metaphor of turning the ladder rather than it going up, that there's... To know, a lettuce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let things grow out. Yeah. yeah, let things grow out organically yeah. and let people play to their strengths um, yeah. and get rid of this idea that, Climbing to the top is the chief priority. Billions, right? Um, thank you so much, Ronald, for all of this wonderful insight and wisdom that you've shared with us. Uh, there's obviously a, a much deeper well of, of 
wisdom and perspective than what we've been able to uncover here, but we really appreciate what it is that you've shared with us. And certainly I would encourage anybody interested in this topic to uh, get in touch with you and the people that you work with to figure out how they can create purpose and unlock uh, genuine leadership in their organizations. Uh, there's a lot to be found there. Thanks very much. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Ronald, for sharing your your insights with us, because this is uh, this is very valuable in finding the way forward in HR uh, and in leadership. Um, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, you can listen to a podcast directly online through Anch uh, Anchor, but it's also very easy to find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. And that will make help you make sure that you're the first to learn about our latest episodes because there's a bunch to follow. Um, do give, give us a rating and review, and we would love to hear your feedback and your topic requests. What's on your mind in the workplace? What's been bugging you or what's making you happy? Do let us know. And uh, until next time, bye. Bye bye.